Well, good morning. We're going to continue to um, talk about strangers in a strange land, being strangers in a strange land. And um, last week we talked about Refugee Sunday. We talked about um, we, we talked about how we treat each other, especially those that are down and out or those that are strangers in a strange land. And so we looked at that from James chapter 2 last week. And this week is, as I said earlier, the Inter- International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And, and I said in my prayer, and, and I really believe this, that we really have no clue what it's like to experience persecution to the level that some today are experiencing. And so here are some stats for you by Open Doors USA that I found about persecution in the church. Each month, each month, listen to this, each month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. We have no clue, do we? Each month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. 214 churches or Christian properties, properties owned um, by Christian organizations or churches are destroyed each month. 214, whether they're burned down or just destroyed, 214 a month. 772 instances of violence are committed against Christians every month in our world. And so those numbers are completely foreign to us because we come here this morning and, and we're pretty comfortable in this place. We don't have to worry about the, those things usually. But around the world, there is persecution. There are people that every time that they bow in prayer, every time that they go to worship, they have to fear for their lives. And so that's why today we pray for the persecuted church. Now, most of this happens in other countries and other regions of the world, but we need to continue to pray for those that are hurting. But, but I, I think this impacts us today, too. And, and before we get too deep into this, I just want to say that I know that some of you this morning are going through things that are really heavy And it may not be fearing for your life because of where you worship, but I know that some of you this morning walked into the sanctuary and you've got so much weighing on you or so much going on in your life and you just feel hopeless or you feel lost. And so this morning, we're going to look into James chapter 1. We're going to go backwards in James and look at what James has to tell us about what we do when we experience trials. And so... Persecution is a real thing, and we're going to touch on that a little bit, but what I really want to get after is is what do we do, what happens to us, what is our response when we go through trials? We're all going to go through trials. How many of you have never been through something difficult? Raise your hand. Okay, good. That's what I thought. Everybody in here has been through something difficult. I'm going to lighten it up just a little bit. Most of our problems are what we would call first world problems, right? They're first world problems, like, oh, my coffee maker wouldn't work this morning. What am I going to do? I mean, I can't wake up, right? Those are, those are problems that we experience on a regular basis, and, and we can get pretty bent out of shape over. Or maybe, I didn't get that car or that promotion that I wanted. Oh, it's so tough, isn't it? I mean, the problems that we face, these are first world problems, or my most recent first world problem, and this, is, this, 
This has shattered my existence. Last Monday night, I went to the Cobb movie theater, and I went to get my beloved buffalo chicken dip, and it's been discontinued. It's terrible. Broke my heart. I told him, I said, this is a deal breaker. I just mentioned that in a sermon two weeks ago, and you're going to go cancel it on me. I, I'm making light of this. These are, these are little things that we experience. But the truth of the matter is, every single one of us is going to experience trials and difficulties in our lives, not just buffalo chicken dip being canceled, not just not getting a promotion, or not just having things that are broken, but really experiencing trials and things in our life that throw us completely out of whack. Most of us have it pretty good, but we will all experience those things. Some of you are dealing with those huge things today. Some of you are dealing with with sickness, something that you can't control, something that's going on inside of you or that's affecting you that you have no control over. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you don't know how you're going to respond to it, and you don't know the path going forward because you have no control over it. Some of you may be dealing with children that are struggling. Maybe you raised your kids and you had this picture of what life was going to be like, but your children are struggling, and and you, you want so badly to help them out, but you don't know how. And it's a struggle, and it eats away at you every day. Some of you are dealing with losing loved ones. I'm sure every one of us has experienced small struggles, but the truth of the matter is, every single one of us in this room will experience something, probably more than one thing in our life, that will throw our world out of whack. In fact, Jesus warned us that we were going to experience trouble. In John chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples and he says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. And he says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus warned us, life is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all roses. You're going to experience difficulty. You're going to experience pain. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. So we're all going to experience troubles, not just first world problems, but real problems that shake us at our core. We're all going to experience those. Well, today I want to go back to James chapter 1, and James in chapter 1 addresses how we deal with these difficult times. They're going to happen, so each and every one of you look at me and nod and say, I understand that I will go through difficulty and trouble at some point in my life. And so James chapter 1 talks about how we should deal with it, what we should do in response to our troubles. So James chapter 1, verse 2 through through 12, we're going to break it up a little bit, but this is verse 2. Consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So James starts off right there in chapter 1, and he says, consider it pure joy when you go through these struggles. That's ridiculous, isn't it? 
Why would I be joyful about going through struggles? How many of you have seen the DirecTV commercial that's running right now where the guy runs into the, um, the rafter in his house and then he laughs and he keeps banging his head on it? Or the lady's rolling around in poison ivy or the lady drinks the, the rotten milk out of the refrigerator. I, I can't remember. What guy gets his arm stuck in the, um, the vending machine? Thank you. James says, consider it joy. That's kind of what you see in that commercial. I don't think that's what James is talking about. I don't think James is saying that we should seek opportunities to go through trials. I don't think James is saying that we should just love trials. I think what James is saying is that even in the midst of trials and difficulties, we can be joyful. The key word there is because. Consider it pure joy when you go through all sorts of trials and difficulties because, let me go back, because, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and, not, and complete, not lacking anything. The truth of the matter is, if we will keep the right perspective when we go through difficult times, if we will have our head in the right place, then we will grow in the midst of our difficulties and the things that we face every day. They will actually make us stronger. And so your reaction to the things that you go through is everything. You will all go through difficulties, every single one of you. We nodded our heads. We understand that. Now let me say this. The way that you react to that will determine whether you grow or whether those difficulties mess you up and ruin things. And so James says, consider it joy because when you go through those things, you're actually growing. You're actually be learning perseverance. You're learning how to grow up. We talked about grow up several series ago. You're growing up when you go through struggles. And so if you will have the right attitude, you will grow and you can consider it joy. Just like the guy that bangs his head on the rafter, like... Not seeking trials, but you in the midst of your difficulty can look at it and say, I'm growing. God is working. Too often we have an attitude of complaining or self-pity. We go through something and we think, oh, woe is me, why me, no, I don't want to go through this, ah, oh. and we get this kind of self-pity or this, this feeling like, oh, man, what James is saying is that we can and should have an attitude of joy because we understand that even as we experience pain, God is working. God is shaping us. And even the most difficult things we experience can lead to our growth and to better life. We rarely grow from a place of comfort is that true for you? We rarely grow from a place of comfort. Megan and I had a conversation this week. We were sitting in the kitchen, and, and I was almost in tears. I wasn't in tears, amazingly. But, but we had this conversation, and we were talking about some things in our life that we want change in. 
And, and I just said, you know, it's all because we're comfortable. And as long as we're comfortable, we're not going to grow because we'll be okay with where we're at. What we need is to stretch ourselves. We need God to stretch us so that we can grow, so that we can change. We were talking about how busy life is right now and how with four boys and several nights a week that I'm getting home really late and she's got stuff going on. And there's all, We talked about how we wish our house was a little bit cleaner. We're tired of having a dirty house. We talked about the way that we handle our finances. But the truth of the matter is, we've been comfortable for so long that we haven't taken the opportunity to grow. And so in this time that's kind of stressful and kind of chaotic and kind of busy, we have an opportunity to grow and to learn and to become better. And so we rarely grow from a place of comfort. When we get comfortable, we usually sit back in our recliner, metaphorically, and just coast. That's not what God wants from us. God wants us to grow. Think about sports teams. I don't want to throw out specific ones because I know that those could be sore subjects, but I will throw out Ohio State because we talked a couple weeks ago about my Ohio State fandom or lack thereof. And, and I think about Ohio State and they're really good and, and they can do what they do and most of the time they're going to be able to beat whoever they play because they're just better than them. But every once in a while, they're going to run into a team that smacks them in the mouth. And last weekend, we saw that. We saw them play Iowa, and they just got beat. All of a sudden, the things that they've always done, the way that they do things, didn't work, and they experienced some difficulty and some pain. <laughs> we got an amen from our Michigan fans. That's good. <laughs> Michigan's experienced their fair share of pain, too. No offense. I'm just offending everyone today. Come on. Um, but then we see this week. What happens? They come back. And they're even better. Sometimes when we go through difficulty, if we're comfortable, if what we do works, if everything's good, then we get comfortable. And sometimes difficulty helps us grow and become better. In fact, I'm a big NBA basketball fan. Usually a team that makes it to the finals for the first time in the NBA does not end up winning the finals. Usually a team has to get there or get close to there and experience some difficulty and then they get back and they work through it and eventually they get past it because teams have to learn how to win. They have to learn how to deal with adversity. When you lose game one on your home court, it's too easy to think, oh, it's all over. But once you've experienced it, once you've dealt with it, once you've learned from adversity, you're there. And so we see that in sports all the time where teams experience difficulty and that leads to them getting better and growing. That's, a, that's the same in our lives. If we get comfortable, we tend to coast. But when we get smacked in the face, when we go through something, it's an opportunity for us to grow and to become better. But not just this isn't self-help, not just become better, but become more like Christ. I'm not saying we should want to not be comfortable, but I'm saying when you go through difficulties, you have opportunity to grow. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to go through pain. Nobody wants to hurt. But when we do, it's probably our best opportunity to grow and become more like Christ. 
As a church, I think sometimes, I'm, I'm totally guilty of this. Sometimes as a church, I think we look at the culture around us and we think, oh man, it's changing. It's not the way it used to be. People used to all come to church and it was all good and now, woe is me, it's all changing and people are wrapped up in their phones and people are doing, you know, people don't want to come on Sunday and they don't want to do this and it's easy for us to get this mentality of, woe is me. But you know what? I think in the midst of this change, in the midst of our cultural change, in the midst of when things change around us, we have the opportunity to grow. And God has the opportunity to work in new ways and do new things. We rarely grow from comfort, but when we experience challenge, that's when we have the best opportunity to grow. One of the things I read said, everyone has problems, but when Christians face them from God's perspective, we can endure trials with joy. Listen, this morning, if you're going through a really tough time, I want you to know that you can have joy in the middle of it. Even when everything seems like it's falling apart, you can live joyfully because you know that God is working in your life and that God is bigger than the stuff that you're experiencing. God works in our lives even in chaos. James goes on. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Let me ask you a question. Are any of you in here lacking wisdom? Are any of you in here going through something and you just don't know what to do? You don't know how to proceed forward? You don't know how to handle it? Is there anyone that would raise their hand with me, with me, and say, I, I need wisdom to deal with the things that I'm going through? I have spent so much time in prayer because I'm in a, di a different place than I was, and I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing, and I've spent so much time in prayer over the past several months just saying, God, give me wisdom to know how to deal with the things that I don't understand and I don't know how to deal with. It says when you go through things, when you're experiencing these difficulties, if you don't know what to do, what should you do? You should ask God for wisdom. I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of times in my life, and especially recently, where I've just been thinking, oh, what do I do? Oh, how's this going to work out? And I reach out to God and I say, God, help me out here. And every time, God gives me a new perspective and a new focus and wisdom to deal with what's going on in my life. That's not just for me, that's for each and every one of us. If you're experiencing trials today, the best thing you can do is go to God and ask for wisdom. When we go to God, it refocuses us. It helps us see the bigger picture. 
Do any of you ever get sucked into like those Yahoo articles or things that pop up on Facebook that say like, like, I've talked before about this in a sermon about like abandoned places. I love to look at the abandoned places picture. But one of the things that's always popping up on my Facebook feed is the idea of the, the great places of this world. And if you zoom out on the picture, the experience changes. Have any of you seen this before? So they show like the pyramids and the up close to the pyramids, it's like, wow, that's in the middle of the desert. And then they zoom out. And you see this huge city that comes right up to the edge of it. Have any of you guys seen this? Am I the only one? Okay, fair enough. I I, I, I don't want to tell you to get on the internet more, but another one is like the Taj Mahal. It's this beautiful building, and then it zooms out, and you see just this kind of barren wasteland around it with trash everywhere. The truth of the matter is, this is kind of the opposite of what I'm talking about. That's more showing beautiful places that are messed up. But I want you to, what I want you to understand is that when we ask God for wisdom, it zooms us out from where we are. Because when we're in the midst of it, all we can see is the difficulty and the struggle around us. But if we will ask God for wisdom, God will zoom out and help us see the bigger picture that what we're facing is not everything It's just a little thing, and God is bigger. And so every time I go to God and I say, I need wisdom to deal with this, it's like I get this zoom out, and I see so much more. If you are experiencing difficulty or trouble, you will grow in perseverance if you keep the right right attitude. And if you don't know what to do in it, ask God, and God will give generously without finding fault. I'm thankful for that last part, without finding fault. Because there are way too many times in my life that I miss it or that I get my mind in the wrong spot. And I love it that I serve a God that no matter how many times I've messed up, I can say, God, can you help me out? Can you give me some wisdom? And without finding fault, God shows me the way. It goes on to say, such a person is double-minded. A person that does not have faith but doubts is, is double-minded, and they're tossed like, like a wave tossed here and there. And so this is an important concept because when we go through struggles, it's very easy for us to be double-minded. This is a concept that James almost exclusively talks about here, the idea of us being double-minded. And that's the idea that we are kind of split, That there's a part of us that's like, yeah, God, I need you, but I'm going to go handle things in my own way. God, give me some wisdom, but I'm going to go handle this by punching someone. That's not how it works. That's double-mindedness. That's If anyone goes to God and asks for wisdom, they must have faith and not doubt. That means when we go to God, when we're experiencing difficulties and we go to God and we say, God, can you help us out? We need to know that God's going to give us what we need and not continue to work without God, but trust that God's going to lead us. If we're working on our own without trusting God, it's just going to make us more unstable and we won't grow. And so when you ask, when you go before God, believe that God will help you. Moving on. It says in verse 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. That's a weird statement, isn't it? Believers in their humble circumstances should take pride in their high position. That's not how we typically view things. And then it says, but the rich 
should take pride in their humiliation. Nobody takes pride in humiliation, right? Since they will pass away like a wildflower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. And so this paints a picture for us, that those that are in humble circumstances, so if we're talking about people that are experiencing difficulties and just feel like everything's a mess and don't know what to do, those that are in that position should take pride in their circumstances. That's weird, isn't it? But those who have everything perfect and are comfortable should take pride in humiliation. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but if we flash back to last week, James says, has God not chosen the poor to inherit the kingdom? Just because you are struggling does not mean that everything's lost. In fact, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this. I'm a father of four boys, and about 50 times a day, one of my boys will fall on their head or scrape their leg or get hurt in some way. And what do I do when one of my boys gets hurt? What do you do? Someone say something out loud. You hug them, you kiss them, yeah, you hold them. When one of my boys goes through pain, my first reaction is, come here, let me hold you, let me make it better. And so I think about this in our life. When we experience pain and struggle, our first reaction is usually this God, where'd you go? I'm all alone. Why are you letting this happen to me? Oh, no, God. Come on. I think God is sitting there like a father watching us go through pain and saying, come here. Let me hold you. Let me comfort you. The reason that we can take pride in our low position when we're struggling is because we have a God that wants to draw us closer to him and wants to help us grow in it wants to give us comfort. That's the best place we can be. And if we're good on our own and we're perfect and we've got money and we've got fame, but we don't need all that stuff, we're missing the biggest thing in life. And that's the God that created everything. And James says this stuff will fade away. See, the world wants to tell you that if you can be popular, if you can have money, if you can be successful, then you've got everything you need. What James is saying and what God tells us is that what you really need is to humble yourself before God, for God to draw you in and wrap his arms around you. And when that happens, that's when you have life to the fullest, so you can take pride in your low circumstances. It goes on and says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love them, who love him. Notice that it says, blessed is the one who perseveres. If you will have the right attitude, if you will humble yourself, and when you go through troubles, if, if you will reach out to God and you will say, God, help me through this, it says you are blessed. Because when you get through this trial... You will have grown. You will be better for it. And so there's three reasons that we see here to be joyful in trials. And so just real quick, if you find yourself this morning and you're going through something and you just feel like the weight of the world is on you, there's three reasons you have to be joyful today. 
Number one, no matter how bad what's happening to you is, no matter how bad your situation is, it's an opportunity for you to grow closer to God and to grow in your faith. You can take joy knowing that no matter what you're going through, you can grow in your faith. Number two, this last part says, you will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised. If you are in the most difficult circumstances and you reach out to God, you can be joyful because you know that you serve a God that wants to wrap his arms around you and wants to give you life to the fullest. You can experience God in a new way. And this third one I'm going to add this one. It doesn't necessarily say this in James, but it does say it in Scripture. I'm going to add this one. And that's this. You have no clue what God can do through the things that you're experiencing. When we look at our troubles and all we can see is, oh, I got to get out of this, I got to get out of this. But if we would zoom back, who knows what God is doing in the midst of your struggle and your difficulty. I, I think of Joseph, whose brothers threw him in a well and sold him into slavery, and, and his brothers of, over and over again, over and over again, Joseph had things happen to him. And at the end of Joseph's story, he reunites with his brothers, and his brothers are fearing for their life because they've, they've done him so wrong. And Joseph says, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. I'm not saying God is afflicting you with something. I'm not saying that's how it works. But what I'm saying is if you are going through something, when you go through something, when you experience the pain of life, God is with you and you have no clue what God can do through that pain and that brokenness. What others intend for harm God intends for good. God can work in any of these circumstances. The truth of the matter is, you cannot control what happens to you. If you could, all of us would have a perfect life, but you will experience pain. You cannot control what happens to you. What James tell us is, tells us is this, you can control what you get from it. You can control your reaction to it, and if you will seek God if you will ask for wisdom, if you will work through it with the right attitude, God will bring you through it and give you strength, and you will actually become more Christ-like in the midst of your difficulties. And so three things. Number one, if you're going through something today and you have no clue what to do, and, and all you've been thinking is, woe is me, God, it's so bad, I don't know what to do, I want you to reframe it. I want you to reframe your mind around what you're going through, and I want you to think about, I want you to ask God, Lord, what do you want from me? How can I grow through this process? And zoom out and see the bigger picture. Because I believe no matter what you're going through this morning, God can bring good out of it, not just in other people's lives, in your life. So reframe the way that you look at it. Number two, I want you to think about how God is working in you. Don't just think about the things that are happening that are bad, but think about how God could be using those things to help you grow. And then number three, I want you to think of what God can do through the difficulty in your life. No matter what it is you're going through, I want you to think, God, what are you capable of? What are you doing? What can you do through this? Because I believe that even in the most difficult times of life, God can draw us closer, 
can move us forward and can do incredible things that we can never imagine. Father, we come before you. And I know today that some of us are feeling pretty good about life and we, this is kind of not on our radar. But I also know that every single one of us will have these experiences. But Lord, I just, I know that there are some here this morning that feel like they're drowning and feel like they don't know what to do. There are some here this morning that are facing things that, that they, they just don't know how to proceed forward from, Lord, and, and they feel like everything's caving in. But Lord, I pray that you would call us to look to you. I pray that you would call us to humble ourselves and to reach out just like a kid that scraped up his knee to look to his father and cry and say, Daddy. And Father, I pray that you would wrap your arms around us. I pray that you would help us to zoom out and see the perspective that you are bigger than what we're dealing with. And I pray, Lord, that you would do incredible things even through our most difficult circumstances, Lord. For anyone here this morning that's broken and hurting, I pray that you would work in their lives, that they would grow closer to you, and that you would be glorified through the amazing things that you do in those situations. Father, we give everything we have to you, even our pain and our suffering, and ask that you would work in Jesus' name.